Hi, and welcome everybody. You are listening to the Arctic Conversation podcast, a podcast with journalists from around the circumpolar Arctic, initiated by Barnes Press in Sweden and uh, aimed uh, at highlighting development trends in the Arctic. My name is Anna Kireyeva, and I'm a journalist from the Russian part of the Arctic, from Murmansk, mainly working with environmental Arctic issues. This is the first episode of the season two, and we are so excited to share our Arctic conversation with you. We are going to talk about topics like Asia in the Arctic, melting sea ice, and how we can change the current image that Southern media has about indigenous people, life certain stereotypes, and exotifying the North. For this very first episode, we are going to talk about the ongoing pandemic. We are living in the historical times and we want to share a conversation with all of our crew today. Can you all say hello at the same time? Hello. 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 <laughs> like you hear, it's a great group of journalists from the Arctic and we will all do our best to make our conversation as clear as possible. Let's start off with a short introduction and then share some thoughts about the effects of the pandemic in your region. Everything changes rapidly, so this episode might not be accurate in above a week or a month, but let's start with a short report from each and every one of you. Let's start with Katarina from Sweden. Katarina, please, t can you tell us who are you and how is the situation in your country? My name is Katarina Helgren. I live in uh, northern Sweden, in Sápmi, in Arvidsjör. I work uh, as a freelance journalist, and uh, mainly with Sami questions. The situation here right now, it's, uh, I think it's scary, but it's, uh, it's not, you, you don't see that much of the pandemic, I must say. Um, you see in the news uh, what's going on in south of Sweden, but it's not the same up here. But I think it's really scary. You see how vulnerable everyone is, the people, the nature, the the life. When it comes to the Sami people, we, we cross borders a lot. We have friends and families in other countries and uh, the borders are crossed to Norway and Finland. They have more restrictions than we have in Sweden. We're kind of stuck in our own country. <laughs> Uh, inside the the borders that we hadn't haven't uh, set up. Thank you so much, Katerina. I think the situation is pretty usual now for our countries, where uh, in most of the countries people are stuck at home. Is it right, Gloria? Gloria is from Canada. Tell us about the about your who you are and the situation in your country. My name is Gloria Dickey, and I'm a freelance journalist uh, in Canada. Um, typically, I report from all over the Arctic you know, on issues regarding climate change and a little bit of geopolitics. Um, but I'm actually currently uh, a little bit further south right now uh, in British Columbia, Canada, so not in the Arctic. Um, so obviously, the pandemic you know, interferes with a lot of um, journalists' travel plans, I'm sure, this year and perhaps next year. Um, so we're kind of monitoring the situation from, from afar. Um, and you know, so far, Canada is doing a lot better than our neighbor, the United States, uh, especially the Arctic. I think um, as of this week, uh, Yukon had uh, 11 confirmed cases of COVID and uh, Nunavut uh, actually has zero cases. And I think they're hoping to keep it that way. Um, 
you know, there's a bit of a benefit here in that these communities are so kind of um, cordoned off from the rest of the country, which can help um, protect them for longer. But at the same time, it's also harder to get health health supplies and resources there should there be should there be a substantial outbreak. Um, so right now, I think the situation, you know, it's it's not too dire, um, but certainly there's a lot of monitoring happening. Um, earlier at the start of this pandemic, there was a a couple actually who had driven their car from Quebec, which is in the south, up to um, Old Crow uh, in Yukon, and um, they were, inst- you know, they thought they were going to live off the land, and they were instantly told to to turn turn back around and go home because the communities there are so so fearful of uh, you know people bringing this this virus in. Thank you, Gloria. That was quite a de- quite a description. What about the situation in Finland, Mari? So yes, hey, I'm Mari Malkoselka. I'm a journalist from northern Finland. I'm currently in Oulu, but I'm actually from Kittila. Uh, it's a small town in uh, Lapland. Um, the corona situation in northern Finland is quite calm, I would say. Uh, at the moment, there are more than 300 cases in the whole north of Finland. There are a lot of municipalities that have only few cases, but I think the same thing happened here as that happened in Canada, that um, there were a lot of Southern fin- uh, Finnish people coming to North to the ski resorts. And that's why there are some municipalities um, that has a lot of cases compared to the population of the municipality. And But in general, the Corona situation is very calm. We are staying at our homes, but we are still allowed to do a lot of things. We can go outdoors and spend time with our friends, but there just has to be less than 10 people in public if you want to spend time. But the strong recommendation is to be by yourself. It was good to know that uh, Finns remain cold-minded and uh, very strong people. How is the situation in the US, Amy? So it's actually pretty intense in the U.S., Anna. Um, My name's Amy Martin. I'm a radio reporter based in the United States. And, um, you know, we have more cases of coronavirus than any other country in the world right now. And um, all kinds of people are in lockdown and it's a very scary time. In terms of how it relates to the Arctic, you know, it's such a huge country and we only have one state that um, is, you know, is in the Arctic and that's the very northern part of Alaska. And Alaska actually has the lowest uh, number of COVID cases of any state in the country, uh, but that doesn't mean that they're not impacted, especially uh, a lot of the small villages in the rural parts of Alaska. They initially um, several villages put out uh, basically an order for the um, for the airlines, the small airlines that fly into their villages on a regular basis, bringing people and supplies. They actually said, "Please don't come because we want to, you know, protect ourselves from this in- infection." But now the tables have turned a little bit, and one of the main airlines, Raven Airlines, that um, serves these small communities, has actually gone uh, bankrupt and they've gone out of business. And it's a really big deal for these small communities that rely on um, it's the airline for many communities that brings in mail, uh, brings out uh, people who are in need of health care or just needing to get out of the village for, for any reason. 
um, supplies, including basic food supplies, come in on the planes. And so uh, I think there's a lot of of fear and worry about how some of these uh, small communities are going to uh, survive as this with this airline going out of business. But those are also communities where a lot of people rely on local food that they hunt themselves. Um, so I think that um, there's a lot of resilience there. But it's just amazing the different ways that the pandemic can filter down into people's lives. And now we go to another uh, fantastic journalist from the um, Northern America, who is Pat. Um, hi, thanks for having me. My name is Pat Kane. I am a documentary photographer from Yellowknife, Northwest Territories in Northern Canada. I cover Indigenous issues, mostly stories about conservation and the environment and uh, Northern issues uh, that are important to everybody uh, living in the Canadian North. Um, the pandemic has actually been handled quite well here in the Northwest Territories. It's um, one of the first jurisdictions in Canada that has actually closed borders to outgoing and incoming visitors. Um, we have only had five cases um, that have all recovered. So we're essentially back down to zero. Um, our, our public health officer has been really good at taking the lead and, and ensuring that we're taking really strong precautions against um, you know, travelers, uh, making sure our food supplies chains are still coming in um, making sure our economy is still going strong, but making sure that we're all protected um, here in the capital city of Yellowknife, but more in particular in the communities outside of Yellowknife. We're a huge jurisdiction. We're about uh, twice the size of Texas with a population of uh, 40,000 people scattered throughout. So um, our communities really rely on um, our healthcare in Yellowknife. We only have one hospital. So it's important that our elders and the elderly are taken care of. And we've actually done quite well in, in terms of kind of pulling together. Um, I think the biggest difficulty has been just the social isolation because we are actually a part of Canada that is very social. We know people in other communities. We're all friends. Everyone says hello to each other on the streets. We all know each other. So that's been really challenging is to um, kind of be on your own and be indoors in a place that is really very social and outgoing. Thanks a lot, Pat. And now we are going to the northern part of uh, Norway. Hi, Thomas. Hi, Anna. Hello, Murmansk. How are you doing? Pretty good. And you? Yeah, that's a good answer. Pretty good here as well. So tell us about you, your work, and how's the situation in Norway? Yeah, my name is Thomas and uh, I work with uh, the Barents Observer, which is an uh, English, uh, Russian, partly Chinese uh, news online covering northern part of uh, Scandinavia, northwest Russia and uh, and the European Arctic. Uh, here we are uh, uh, working uh, as normal as, as journalists, uh, but, uh, but uh, the northern part of Norway uh, has been a quite strange place to be. We have, but first we tried to isolate ourselves because most of the outbreak were down in uh, the more populated areas of the capital of Norway, Oslo, and those places. And local authorities uh, decided that the best way to keep the virus out of the region was to put everyone coming from the south to the north into a two-week quarantine. 
so we did actually in Norway the opposite of what uh, Finland did. Uh, in Finland, they isolated the, the capital, uh, while here we isolated the, the northernmost part of, uh, of Norway with success so far, if it can be called a success. There are very few cases of uh, coronavirus in, uh, in uh, the, this area. I live in a, in a small town called uh, Kirkenes, uh, that is uh, one of two towns in uh, the county of Finnmark, the largest county in Norway that actually has hospital. Uh, so we have had a few patients there, but they are not locals. There are people that are coming in from other uh, small villages uh, around and uh, uh, people that have uh, been out at, at sea, international seamen uh, that, uh, that have uh, come in. You know, for, for me in the Barnes Observer, it's uh, pretty crazy. I mean, one day we are doing stories about the booming winter tourism, the success, the great economic uh, income for all those businesses, uh, everything from snow hotel to dog sledging and so on. And then a few days later, we write about the very same companies uh, as they go bankrupt. And, and uh, here in Norway, the, the unemployment rate hasn't been higher since Second World War than it is right now. So the economic impact, even on a country like Norway, that I have quite good good money, are 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 huge. They are huge. Also, this uh, this uh, town I live in is uh, a border town. I have 10 minutes to drive to the border to Russia, and then I have another 40 minutes and driving to the border to Finland. And those borders are now closed. I mean, the border to Russia is nearly hermetical closed. Uh, maybe more strange, uh, we have uh, closed the border to Finland. Uh, and and for the first time, actually, since Norway gained its independence in 1905 from from Sweden, we have uh, put military border guards to control the border. Uh, that's a kind of strange, but uh, but for us it's it's natural because we we don't actually have that many police officers up here to do that control. So people are happy with uh, with uh, seeing that there are military border guards. Uh, all true, it sounds very very strange. Uh, so that's uh, that's life uh, up in northern northern northernmost part of Norway. There are no deaths from the coronavirus so far. Uh, everyone is happy with that, but uh, it's a very special t period of time we are living in. Thank you, Thomas. Uh, it's always scary to hear uh, what economic effect the corona gave to local and uh, small-scale businesses. I must say that. It all officially in Russia started in the end of March when the president was talking to the population saying that things are getting more and more serious. So we close the borders, we bring our people back home and so on. And we appeared in the situation of the perfect storm. I mean, the perfect information storm. Uh, it was the time when Russia was preparing to vote for the new version of the Russian constitution. It was the situation when the oil prices were just going down and down and the rate of ruble was just dropping dramatically. And then the corona and all the business people, especially medium and small scale business, they understood that they would hardly survive after all this. Well, speaking about my region, uh, Murmansk region is, uh, despite the fact that Murmansk is uh, the largest town uh, in the world in the Arctic, but still the population of it is less than 300,000 people. And uh, Murmansk region is uh, always in one of the top regions with the amount of uh, 
sick uh, people with corona. It's due to uh, tourism, which we worshipped a lot. Uh, the first uh, sick people uh, came to the region after their holidays in Cuba or in some other places. And another big project, the real epicenter of the uh, of the disease is. Um, unfortunately connected with one of the largest projects going on in Murmansk region. It's a huge uh, project of Novatech. They are building plants to uh, to work with the uh, gas and LNG projects all over the world. And they, are, uh, they have concentrated more than 10,000 people in one spot, working there by shifts, and they didn't stop the work. So the largest amount of sick people is there. There are several hundreds already. So that's, um, that's another scary thing when it comes to the, uh, well, m my region at least. But yes, mainly people are sitting at home if they, if they, they can afford not to work. They are asked not to work and or work from home distantly. So people are trying to sit at home. Not many people respect the self-discipline. And if you go out to a supermarket on Saturday afternoon, it's like um, it's like a Disneyland. All the families are there because it's the only entertainment left. No shops, no other shops work, no restaurants, no cinemas, nothing. People are stuck at home. Okay, thank you so much, everyone. Um, I just wanted finishing this uh, conversation. I just wanted to say that we all wish that this um, uh, coronavirus situation to be over as soon as possible and that we would try to get back to our normal lives. Uh, but uh, we're not sure if they will be still normal or not. And I guess that we learned um, our lessons a lot. We started to appreciate, for example, I can talk on my behalf. I started to appreciate things I was complaining about. All these airplanes and waiting in the airports and all this amount of work to do and uh, traveling from one part to another, writing a lot of articles. I really miss this part and all these socializing things. And um, now when I see the situation where uh, not all the businesses would survive and many restaurants can be closed and many shops and cinemas and so on and so on, I just think that uh, we will appreciate our life back when we have it, at least. And thank you so much for listening. We will be back soon with another interesting episode of the Arctic Conversation.